Having your child with ADHD toss and turn for hours together is this pattern of nighttime sleeplessness and daytime restlessness keeping you both in a loop of frustration. It must be sheer helplessness at times. The problem is that ADHD support might be unique to each and every child. As a parent, you must have so much information at the tip of your hands. And one thing that you will really appreciate from this conversation with an MD is honoring parental intuition and parental effort. Recognizing this as an MD is something inspiring and supportive. And it is this very sensitivity that makes my guest today the perfect person to speak into this topic. In today's podcast, we will answer three questions. The first is how do sleep and ADHD connect and what can we do to improve sleep? What water is used to support treatment? Where do you begin with individualized testing in ADHD to understand the deeper picture? Who better than Dr. Ashwini Ghat to break this down for us? Why? Well, because he is a functional medicine practitioner who has dealt with almost 500 cases of autism, ADHD so far, and more than 90% have significant improvement. He has advised other practitioners with challenging cases of ADHD. And he's an MD specialized in ADHD. Let's get started. Hey everyone, I'm Deepa, Allied Functional Medicine Practitioner, author and yogini and you're listening to the Sleep Whisperer podcast, the only sleep podcast with conversations and meditations. I'm on a mission to share profoundly insightful sleep conversations with global visionaries that merge together functional medicine and ancient wisdom. Breathe in bliss through weekly guided meditations and let yourself enter the land of dreams. Together, let's unravel the pieces, get to the roots and understand the right tools to transform your sleep completely. Through this podcast, I want you to dream the best version of yourself. It's time to regain hope and begin your sleep journey. Dr. Gar, welcome to the Sleep Whisperer podcast. And um, we've done one episode a long time back on children with special needs, but we're going a little deeper today into very specifically ADHD. And you have a lot of experience dealing with ADHD. I'm actually a bit surprised because I've been thinking about this as to what brought you into this area of specialization. Usually it's when we have children with these concerns or some Something that pulls us into that path, but what got you into the focus with ADHD? Thank you so much, Deepa, for giving me this opportunity that I'm able to share my thoughts. And uh, with your network, these thoughts will be shared with many. Thank you so much again. Uh, What pulled me into this, I think it just again, a serendipity just happened. Uh, uh, Somebody asked me whether I can work on this. We have been working with this functional medicine for three, four years now. And uh, for the last one and a half years, we are focusedly working on autism, ADHD, ADD, 
and uh, i think it just happened sometimes uh, you know there's no specifics and uh, it just happened and uh, i am every day we are learning and so far we are able to uh, deal with almost 600 to 700 kids uh, in a span of one and a half year and uh, majority of them has significant improvement so far let's talk a little bit about what you say majority of improvement in symptom because i think this is the first thing that will pop out for any listener so what are typically the changes that parents have noticed all right so i will stick to time frame for which they have followed the plan so generally we start with the three month protocols so they enrolled to us with the three month plans so in this three months 80 85% of them they have a drastic improvement in digestive health which is a major part of the problem sleep is another issue almost 80 to 90% of them have a disrupted sleep big time disrupted sleep and i think almost of them has got resolved only very few probably 1 2% might have still lingering issues maybe they have deeper issues uh then uh, uh, uh their social behaviors their uh, uh, eye contact which is another major problem that is also majorly is getting resolved now 30 to 40% of them they have improved speech also in this short period of time of 3 months where they essentially follow the plan for two and a half months and then it start is you know takes two weeks and all that now when i say 30-40% have a good improvement so some of them were completely non-verbal they were not even speaking a word they started chit-chatting just like a normal child some of them they were one word speakers they started saying mama i want food and all that two three words they started coming so like that so some of them were completely uh, not speaking they started speaking some of them speaking few words some of them who were speaking few words they started speaking more words so this is how they are gaining uh, uh, this thing so there's a improvement into their uh, sleep in their digestion in their speech uh, communication and of course the aggressiveness many of these kids are aggressive and sometimes we consider this as a behavioral issue but in our understanding uh, uh, we think it is not because of the behavior per se it is the body is not at ease they are always under some level of pain and uh, uh, interestingly last time you know a mama has uh, uh, asked the child if you cannot tell me please write it down on a paper then the child has written on a paper there's something weird happening within my body so something like something crawling under the skin that is making them uh, uh, very aggressive those are the changes that we are seeing all the time and uh, i mean these are not small changes because for a parent with a child like that i think these are massive changes which can be so inspiring and you mentioned sleep and i just want to answer about two three key questions on our episode today one is um would you say that almost all the kids with adhd do have some level of sleep challenges and do you notice if it's both ways that poor sleep makes the symptoms of adhd worse and adhd Uh, itself makes them unable to sleep properly and um, where do you begin so do you try to f- um, find a way to put together their sleep in a way where it supports recovery overall or is it that improving other symptoms helps them to improve the quality of their sleep so let's just begin with what does it look like um is the sleep challenges very similar across the board for children 
uh, with ADHD? Is it, does it look very different? Is it quality, quantity, timing? What is happening? Right, so uh, I, I first give you my findings. What all the time I see in these kids, you know, one major part of the problem is they are kept under poor lighting. When I say poor lighting, they're always under artificial lights, tube light, LED lights, mobile screen, all the screens. And sometimes deliberately, these kids are kept under screens just because they, they will be calm and all that. But now definitely that is killing their melatonin and definitely that is disrupting their sleep. And most of them, we hear that they're sleeping after 12, 12 uh, uh, in the night and one and two. And this is where I think if they don't sleep at the right time, the healing is, is hampered anyway. So I think we all know that sleeping between 10 to 2 uh, a.m. is the best possible time. So we tell them to put your child to sleep by 9.30 or maximum 10 o'clock. So that is the first thing that we intervene, get them enough sunlight, reduce the screen time. Uh, second major of disruption that we all the time see is these bodies are dehydrated, severely dehydrated. Now, when I say dehydrated, we look at their markers. We also ask the parents, uh, what is, you know, how's the hydration level? So then most of the time, the parents would tell us that the child is drinking more than enough water. Now, the child is drinking more than enough water and going to washroom, drinking wa washroom, drinking washroom. So we change their water. We get into sun-charged water or ionized water, whatever uh, is, is uh, uh, you know, uh, financially possible for these parents. These two major changes, and of course, the grounding. We make them uh, go touch a tree, hug a tree, spend time under sun on the ground. So uh, that's these are basic, very very focused things that we do, and this definitely improves a lot of sleep and a lot of healing start happening. Uh, another component of sleep disruption is the infections, fungal infections, clostridia infection, parasitic infections. So as we start cleaning these infections, then also uh, uh, you know we see that there's a stabilization of the sleep or. Uh, quality and the uh, uh, you know uh, length of the sleeve will also be is improved. Ashwini, you mentioned about the infection. So, has, is there a specific way that you've noticed with testing so many kids across this one and a half years? Yes. So, we we start with very thorough testing. So, we do a blood blood testing where we look at CBC, we look at organ functions, kidney, thyroid liver function, then we look at the heavy metals and look at the nutrition and look at the inflammatory markers. Now in the CBC, we always find the lymphocytes are chronically high. Eosinophils are chronically high. So eosinophils are high means some parasites. Of course, it can be food allergies, but many times it's sustainably high. So as we clean the parasites, this will come down. Then basophils are high. So this is clearly, then we also get into a little bit of a metabolite testing. Uh, then there we find the clostridium markers. There we find the fungal markers. Uh, and of course, uh, uh, the liver enzymes are always high. Their uh, OTPTs are always high. That means a lot of toxic load is getting onto the liver. So this, this is clearly confirming. Then of course, if you look at the symptoms, a lot of them have bloating, a lot of them have itching, vaginal itching, penile itching, uh, anal itching. A uh, lot of them have eczemas. A lot of them have uh, uh, dry hair, dry skin. So putting the symptoms and the markers, of course, the markers might not have all the information that we need, but putting the symptoms or the signs and the markers together, there's a clear you know, uh, 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 picture coming out that there are chronic infections. And then as we start treating this infection one by one, we see a clear uh, uh, you know, improvement in their skin, improvement in their hairs, improvement in their 
digestion of course the sleep and the hyperactivity all that and i know this is a bit late to ask this ashwini but when these uh, kids come to you and the parents bring them have they already been diagnosed with adhd or is it that they haven't um i mean this diagnosing it is very tricky in india especially so that's why i asked you this cuz sometimes you know in mainstream schools uh, i know several kids who right up to grade 6 7 they just been thought of as poor students or they don't know anything and no one looks towards even uh, digging a little deeper are there specific learning challenges are there attention issue they kind of labeled as being stupid or dull Uh, yeah. which is really an injustice to children so i know this is a bit off topic but i really would like you to talk about sure. that so majority the 90 90% of the kids that come to us they are already diagnosed global delays and all that but with all parameters with their iqs and with their understanding cognition as we help the body do better the brain function improves in all aspects so and you know sometimes what happens a parent would understand why oh, this child was diagnosed and this treatment has as helping them then they bring other child to us they they were not so far labeled with the problem but they have this issues going on that they were aggressive in the school they were inattentive in the school they were not getting so many scores that they should be getting then uh, we we look in the profile same problems probably the label is not there so far with them right and um before we go into protocols and more specific aspects of this when you say that lot of kids who come are struggling with sleep and then when you know you work on their gut health it sleep improves or you work on the infection sleep improves but what is that poor sleep looking like is it that they just tossing turning i mean apart from the lighting so when somebody changes up the light and you tell them to make the bedtime earlier is it that they just able to fall asleep easily or are they still struggling in ways where maybe they are waking up how is describe how the poor sleep looks like right so one typical thing that they find it difficult to sleep once they sleep uh, asleep they are asleep for a good time but going to sleep is a challenge to them now in this case when we make sure that they get enough sunlight in the day plus we replace their regular led tube white lights with the red light this going to sleep becomes ease that is no more a difficulty now there is a second group of people those get up early they go to sleep they have a sound sleep for let's say 2 3 uh, hours and 1 o'clock to 2 a.m they would get up again then in such cases we make use of the melatonin so uh, realizing probably they're not making enough melatonin for their infections then some of them they're always irritated you know uh, turning tossing just uh, hitting their parents so those guys we we make use of some of the uh, uh, something called passiflora that we have in india that is a just a passion flower extract that improves the gaba so uh, the mother tincture of few drops of that uh, that helps them so this is how primarily we are looking into it 
Okay, let's just walk us through a child with ADHD who's struggling with poor sleep. Just walk us through right from the time they come to you, what happens with you? What, how are you looking at their case? What are you doing to help them through it? And how do you move them towards better sleep where the parents are not struggling as well? Right. So what we do, uh, Deepa, we run a, a, a three-month program where one focus is a personalized treatment, another focus is a parent education. Okay, so we're dealing with a very complex problem when anybody comes to the autism, ADHD, ADD, all these problems. Otherwise, in the conventional medical system, they're uh, thought as irreversible problems or problems which cannot be solved or lifelong problems. So even parents are very very concerned. So first thing that we have to deal with a parent rather than a child, that a parent comes at ease because at the end of the day, a child is also connected to the parent at an energy level. So if the parent becomes at ease, the child started becoming at ease. So what we do is we run personalized treatment plan along with the uh, uh, parent education program. There, you know, we, we make these parents walk through different aspects of the problem, their gut health, their toxins, their liver health, uh, how important is the good quality food? How important is the good quality light and water? So all different aspects. Second, anything before we intervene to anything, we want to test them thoroughly. So we, uh, uh, you know, help parent understand the importance of each marker and how it is translating to the problem. Then step by step, you know, uh, first thing, of course, the, we make sure that a child is under good light. And many a times we see Sometimes a lot of people become to us after a biomed treatment. They are, they are given a lot of supplements, but there's still no improvement because basics are not done. That is good light, good water, good food. So in- And is in this from other um, integrative practices itself or is it from mainstream medicine where you say that they coming with this low because mainstream medicine, typically we don't even look at supplements, I think. So where are they coming from? Uh, and I'm asking you this because I've seen it plenty of time where uh, someone goes somewhere and they've given like 20, 30 supplements and they feel worse. And I yes. see this all the time. So I do want us to talk about this. Yes. So I think this is primarily from the alternate uh, biomed treatment uh, they're doing a fantastic job i mean i have nothing against them but sometimes some new practitioners might not have in-depth understanding so they uh, something based on probably that 20 things wrong in the uh, wrong in the body so they start with 20 supplement right away and body is not able to handle so much of detox and the die off and the child becomes more agitated more aggressive uh, unresponsive and we also see some level of regression into our uh, uh, it's but eventually because we go slow we allow the body to uh, uh, handle these kind of detox and uh, uh, die off reactions so uh, so we do the testing we put them on a paper help parent understand what is wrong heavy metals are high infections are there dehydration is there lack of proteins is another problem that we all the time see uh, then liver function is impaired. A lot of OTPT enzymes are high. Their lipase is high. Amylase is high. Uh, their autoimmune markers are high. Sometimes ANA is very high. Sometimes NTCCP is high. So that way their immune system is haywire. Infections are there. Uh, and dehydration, like I said, very, very common. Then we step-by-step step start dealing it. We don't, don't get into the supplements right away. We say, first fix your light. 
fix your water. Now, in terms of fixing water, the simplest practice that I deal with is put them onto a sun-charged water. Take a glass of, uh, just like this simple glass of water, uh, have your filtered water. So that's another problem. Most of the people that come to us, they are into cities like Bangalore, Mumbai, uh, Delhi, Gurgaon. So RO system are bad, we know that. But in these cities, RO system becomes essential because the quality of supply of the water that is very, very bad to us. So we say you put your clean water into the bottle, keep it under sun for three hours. So that water will absorb infrared light from the sun, becomes a little bit structured. And this is phenomenal. We see that the moment they start with the good quality water, the requirement of the water uh, becomes less and their body comes at ease and thereby sleep becomes better. Then we uh, uh, very, very aggressively get into uh, uh, gluten-free and dairy-free. Now, sometimes people come to us, they have already followed gluten-free, dairy-free, but by replacing the gluten with the white rice. Now, white rice is as bad as gluten because fungus is a big problem in these kids. Most of them, they have fungal infection. And if we find them refined uh, white rice, it is still feeding the fungus. And in case, many are cases, we have also has to stop some of the very sweet fruits like bananas, apples, uh, uh, pineapples. So by stopping the fruits or watermelon for let's say, so just, you know, in a very restricted diet, we have to place them depending on the for the severity, we take these calls. Then the, the moment we start uh, doing these things uh, and replacing the grains with the healthy grains like millets or uh, certain uh, Tamil rice like soya malli or uh, uh, samba rice, those are high glycemic, uh, low glycemic index rice. So within two weeks, we start hearing from the, from the parents, oh, my child is able to sleep, my child uh, is, is doing a better eye contact, my child is not so hyper now. Uh, and of course, uh, step by step, then we introduce a little bit of uh, antifungals, antiparasitic, uh, and of course, basic B complex, vitamin D. Uh, magnesium zinc, uh, some probiotics like Esbolardi, and some sport probiotics. So these are some starting things that we uh, get started with. And have you noticed the protocols being more effective if the child has come to a place where they're sleeping better? Have you also noticed if there are children, even after they've cleaned up the light environment, they're still struggling with sleep? So another thing that we typically see is any 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 child living in a mobile towers. Their house is very next to a mobile tower. That's a big uh, disruptor to the sleep. Uh, yes, I think some kids where infection load is too much. Their uh, basics does not help. Then, uh, uh, for example, yesterday only I was speaking to one of the mother and she says during this. Uh, uh, Amavasya, this moon uh, thingy, uh, there, I think this parasitic activity becomes more aggressive. That starts disrupting their sleep. So, cleansing these parasites also becomes crucially important in other infections, along with the basics. You did mention, Ashwini, about the gluten free, dairy free, and one of the things that I thought of when you say there are kids who come and they've already been through that, but they're eating white rice. And I think it's also sometimes when people are gluten-free, dairy-free, but maybe they're not doing other work beside it. Uh, and then the typical thing is that I tried to be gluten-free, but nothing worked for us. 
and that's also a common problem that I see a lot. But you did mention gluten-free. Now, on that note, just describe to us what would you think would be a great sleep plate for a child who's with ADHD, struggling with sleep. So on this level, what would that plate look like? Right. So I think uh, I definitely want to have out any processed junk food, any packaged food. Okay. Uh, then I, 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 for, for understanding of parents, we describe these uh, grains into three categories. One is a negative grain, gluten and uh, 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 white rice are negative grains, then neutral like jawar, bajra, ragi. Uh, these are neutral grains. Then you have these positive grains, little millet, kodo millet, barnyard millet, foxtail millet, brown top millet. So what we say is at least one meal of the day should be a positive grain. And preferably, uh, at least at the night, for example, if they can ferment and cook the food, that is, if they can use the grain, make an idli and dosa, ferment and cook it, not just fermented. Okay, that's one part. So fermented foods and other regular components of Indian, especially South India, uh, uh, the buttermilk and the, uh, the curds and all that. So we want to eliminate these things in the initial period because if infections are there, we don't want to give them more life strains. So stopping these uh, fermented foods is again uh, crucially important. Now that's another uh, uh, I believe, and I, I was also making the mistake earlier is you know if we think that gut is a bad in a bad shape, we start with the fermented foods like kapir, kombucha, uh, uh, curds, and all that. So we stop them also. So so we give them a positive grain, uh, especially fermented cooked foods. Then first meal of the day should be more fat and proteins because generally they are low on the uh, uh, proteins in their system and the HDL is also low. So we want to include more of uh, uh, more fats and proteins and nuts and seeds or possibly some uh, hydrolyzed whey protein in the morning. Yeah, talk to us about protein because I know that at one point we did want to have a whole episode on protein. So I never want to talk about protein. You mentioned dairy. So uh, talk about them. I mean, I can hear our listeners asking about the contradiction between dairy free and whey protein. So just walk us so, through yes. that. As, uh, we, we also were fundamentally against uh, dairy, not, not, not because of dairy is bad, because the quality of the dairy that is there in India. Some statistics tells us that it's 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 uh, India produces X amount and we sell three X and some two X we make at home. <laughs> so a lot of adult patients. So the second, of course, the processing and our microbiome, not our abilities to not digest it. So when we use a whey protein, which is pre-digested, hydrolyzed whey protein, it becomes essentially less allergenic because it's already broken down, dipeptide amino acid uh, uh, chains are there. So it is not the same way as it should be because it's pre-digested. So we have given to people with autoimmune conditions. And of course, in, in this group of kids, we have been always using it. And so far, we haven't find, found any problem. Now, definitely low serum creatinine is associated with speech delay. And sometime miraculously, we start the protein powder and the child start picking words. Now, I don't say that this is the only thing that is helping. Right. This is one part of the tool that we use. Beautiful, Ashwini. I think you went through that perfectly because it's just that common, you know, when I think when we say dairy free, typically that's what you hear. And that's why I wanted you to clarify that. So is there... Um, 
is there any age that you feel that can be introduced or is it to be there should be some caution when the kids are much right. too young right so, so let's understand this way uh, most of these kids are, are on protein powders nowadays now those protein powders for example ensure pd ensure and all that they are whey proteins they have caseins into them they have sugars into them they have uh, 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 seed oils into them so they are very very extremely bad products extremely bad products but they are abundantly used in the market it start from 6 months to any age and because we don't check the markers because we don't look at the uh, the the issue or we don't correlate with the uh, this thing we keep giving so so i don't have empirical research on this but i think if we can use that protein and if we replace that protein with much healthier hypoallergenic or less allergenic uh, hydrolyzed whey protein i think we can start with the two two year two and a half year age and we have used but we keep reassessing the uh, markers every three months so we look at the kidney markers liver markers uh, and most of the time these markers could improve for example otpt will improve sometimes cystatin c is high which is an inflammatory marker for the kidneys that will also improve uh, autoimmune markers like ana ntccp those markers would also improve so that means this is essentially not triggering the immune system and it can be started at any any young age also i don't see any problem how do you interweave sleep into your practice ashwini with kids with adhd i know you spoke about sleep being one of those five important points in your practice but um just walk us through how do you actually describe yeah, it to yes. a client so so i i tell them the light is the most crucial component if they have the child has to sleep properly so what we do is during daytime we tell them not to use any lighting no lighting at all you know 45 minute at least a sun uh, sunlight exposure in the day morning and evening put together then after it becomes evening we tell them use minimal lighting and even this minimal lighting they can replace with the old styled uh, this tungsten or filament bulbs that heating effect bulbs or use a red light infrared lights okay then we insist the child to be sleeping while 9 9:30 maximum 10 o'clock now this much change if they do most i think 80% of these kids start uh, sleeping better and sometimes it's miraculous you know they 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 are exposed to red light and they sleep like a baby they, how they should be sleeping yeah i just want to ask you to quickly before we conclude when you say get to bed by 9:30 Uh, and i've heard a lot of parents with children who have adhd saying we've done everything we've cleaned up our lighting we get to bed and then he's just turning he's sitting he's looking here he's looking there uh, so again i'm just being the voice of our listeners because i can hear some of them saying it's easier said than done right uh, so it's not as simple we do go to bed early it doesn't happen so what would you have to say? share to help those kind of parents and right. kids right so i think like i said 80% that we at least see into our group of people they sleep without much of intervention and people who don't sleep parasitic infections clostridial infection is another major challenge and fungal infections so as we start using anti clostridia anti fungal or anti parasitic either herbal regimes or uh, 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 a little bit of uh, allopathy where required where we have absolute markers with us 
then uh, as we start cleaning these infections the they start sleeping better i mean and there's enough data also to say that even the hyperactivity is associated with fungal and uh, uh, clostridia infections and as we clean these infections the hyperactivity also will reduce drastically and even in adults also a lot of you know like you said uh, they come to us with a stomach issue when when we capture their problems in detail and they mention yes they have some some hyperactivity unease and all that and then as we clean their infections and they they become more ease and they're less hyper lovely ashwini any final words to share for anyone who's uh, listening i think uh, you know most of the problems that our society is going through there is a solution so i would say deepa uh, every problem that our society or our kids are going through there is a solution to it we should never as a parent should give up we should always seek more answers doesn't matter if one doctor or me or you don't have the answers somebody has the answers we should look for the, uh, those answers every problem there is a cause there is a underlying problem we just need to figure that that out second more importantly we don't let the disease just only a doctor's business it's our business this is societal business parent uh, business you cannot say that because i've gone to that doctor the problem should solve okay we should take uh, matters into our hand because nobody can help you if you don't help yourself i think if this much we do most of the chronic problems can be taken care wise wise words ashwini and especially coming from a doctor now i must call you dr garg because it's so refreshing to hear a doctor say that especially in india where truly the doctor is considered the god and i think even they cannot uh, i mean i'm clear example where i just saw my dad pass away where no doctor could eventually do anything right at some point we have to accept that they are not ultimately uh, the ones who manage everything and i think parents are indeed very very powerful tools in the in the kids journey and these were both were such wise words i want to sh- thank you for that if somebody does want to work with you where can they find you so our website is functionmedicineclinic.in they can reach out to us and uh, and and most importantly we do a discovery call with them we help them understand how the journey going to be and only if they're committed and willing we take them on to the program tell us as parting words ashwini what is committed and willing and how do you gauge that in someone i think just a willingness just a willingness and open mind that's all like it doesn't matter if they have to follow 100% or 90% or 60% or 50% they has to willingness openness you know sometimes the challenge is when parents say no 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 i have done this and the, the, you know they conclude things because somebody has told them that if they come with the openness then that's it then it's easy job for us to uh, uh, tackle them lovely and i think that goes for all of us i mean anything yes. that we do if we just that open uh, nest to us that be the empty cup so it will be absolutely allow it to fill up thank you ashwini giving me your time and i think it's good that we waited so long but i really appreciated having you here and have a great day Thank you so much Deepa thank you so much for giving this opportunity i really appreciate your passion to spread the right word to the world and it's not easy to follow up with the practitioner you know ask these difficult questions from them so thank you thank you so much
In this episode, Dr. Ashwini Garg walked us through the journey of understanding, testing in ADHD and protocols to support right through. My biggest takeaway was his parting statement that parents are a powerful piece in the journey of healing and recovery. Here is my parting takeaway to you today. No matter what symptom or condition that you or your loved one struggle with, and who might be your doctor, recognize and always honor your intuition. I noticed in clinical practice that someone ignores their body's feedback of a nutrient or a protocol and continues taking it because their doctor has told them that it is the best one for them. They disregard that inner voice and this just takes them further away towards imbalance when they clearly feel that something is not working for them. No matter the research behind something or how many people advocate for it, you are unique. If you have a negative feedback, take a listen and honor your body. Have a great day. Hi everyone, I hope you enjoyed the show today. Just a reminder that this podcast is for information purposes only. It is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or otherwise qualified health professional. This information is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or the professional advice or services. If you are looking for personal help on your health journey, do seek out a qualified professional. Please do make your own healthcare decisions based upon your research and in partnership with a qualified healthcare professional. It is in no way intended as medical advice or a treatment or cure for any condition. Be sure to always directly work with a qualified practitioner before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle that may feel out of your realm of comfort or understanding. If you are looking for an allied functional medicine practitioner, do seek out more information on www.phytothrive.com. It is important that you have someone who is qualified and understands your health personally in order to to subscribe to the sleep whisperer podcast on your favorite podcast app to get each episode as soon as it launches